0: Welcome to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools that they can use to make their business and their professional lives successful. We're going to have so much fun today. I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun because we're going to be talking about improv and how you can and should be using it as a business tool. So please join me in welcoming Milo Shapiro to the show. Welcome. Hey, Deb. Good to be here. This is going to be great. Um, But let me tell folks just a little bit about you before we jump in. So after 15 years in IT, Milo took his 10-year passion for improvisation into business, using improv for team building and to improve communication skills. He has brought this work to groups like Southwest Airlines, the U.S. Navy, and Qualcomm, just to name a few. You can find out more information about that at miloshapiro.com. As an interactive motivational speaker at companies including Minolta, Pfizer, WellPoint Blue Cross, and many more, Milo honed his knowledge of platform skills leading participants in play. He shares his knowledge with others through classes, coaching, speeches, and two books about presentation skills. Through his company, Improv Ventures, and its public speaking division called Public Dynamics, Milo helps individuals organize and optimize their material, become more vibrant addressing groups, and make their storytelling more powerful. For more information, go to publicdynamics.com. Milo's book, Public Speaking, Get A's, Not Z's, makes this topic fun. His second book, The Worst Days, Make The Best Stories, is a fun look at life through funny, real-life stories. So again, Milo, welcome.
1: Oh, my gosh. Can you always be the one to read my intro? That would be so good.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course. Yeah, I'll I'll only charge you a pittance. Well done. You know, it's it's fun. And, I mean, that is part of being a speaker. And I don't care if you're presenting to a team, if you're presenting on a stage of 1,000. It's about having the vocal skills, to enunciate and to you know clearly read and slow down and it's really funny because i consciously have to think Slow down mm-hmm. speaking slowly and clearly isn't always my best thing, um, but you know it's 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 interesting to really talk to you because public speaking is one of the things that you work with people on
1: yeah, absolutely. It was sort of a, an evolution of my business that I hadn't foreseen once upon a time, and we'll get to how my business evolved and, and where that came from. but working with people one on one and via Skype and in small groups as well is something that I do because so many people really need to develop in that area. It can be so limiting to feel like, oh, I don't want to get up and speak. Well, when you don't get up and speak, you don't get to have your message heard. You don't have to get to have your right. vision shared. People don't get to build on your ideas and you fade into the background a little bit more. And it's, it's not necessary. There's really no reason that anyone can't Conquer the fear and conquer the lack mm-hmm. of skill sets. Uh, the, the problem is just that most people have really never been introduced to how to do it. And so, right. you know, people talk about the fear of public speaking and the phobia. I don't believe for almost anybody it's a phobia, a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. If I asked you tomorrow, Deb, to, to go do open heart surgery, my guess is you'd be really nervous. It's not
0: that I couldn't watch enough YouTube videos. No,
1: and it's not because you have a phobia of open heart surgery. It's because there's no reason to think you would do well at that because you haven't right. had the training. And Same Mm -hmm. with public speaking skills. If someone hasn't had the training, you know, maybe you had an 11th grade English teacher who made you do a few oral reports. Maybe she Mm -hmm. or she gave you a little feedback or something like that. But most people have really never been shown how to do it right. So not Mm -hmm. shockingly, they try it. It doesn't go well. And that scares them the next time. And suddenly they think they have a phobia. And and we can work Mm -hmm. them through that.
0: Well, and we're talking, you know, not just about somebody standing in front of a large audience because that is actually very rare, you know, and it's more of maybe you're at a networking event and they tell you stand and give your 30 second elevator pitch Mm -hmm. or you're meeting a client that's public speaking. Also, you know, meeting them for the first time and giving your pitch or presenting to the CEO, to your sales team, all of those various things and you know and it does take skill and practice but there's so many techniques that that you can learn to make it better
1: and i get phone calls for all of the above a lot of what i get is i need to talk to my staff more efficiently and it's a group of 7 so mm-hmm. you know, people think that it, it, like you said, that it has to be about giving that big speech. And I get those too. I mean, I got a call from a woman last year who suddenly was told that she was going to give a presentation to between, I think it was between 500 and a thousand people, a good-sized audience. And so, mm-hmm. so she said, I don't care if I ever become a good public speaker. I just have to do well on this speech. And the Ooh. way we crafted her coaching sessions were very different than someone else who right. calls me and says, "Every time I speak, it's something different. I need to be good at it." And that's mm-hmm. what's wonderful about coaching compared to a class is that mm-hmm. we build it around what are your goals, what are your needs, and where are your shortcomings—not just your shortcomings, but where what are you good at that we need to start accentuating. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because some people are kind of natural at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm guessing you and I are—you know—probably in that that realm. Like the- but it doesn't always come easy. Right. I mean, you know, there there is an on and off switch. And sometimes mine is kind of caught in the middle. And that, you know, there's a variety of, of you know, why that is is true. I mean, you know, you can 99% of the time you can be good. And then you stand up the next time and go. Ah! <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, you know, so it's it's not that it comes naturally. It is more that we have learned how to do it and how to channel those things. I mean, I, I always go back to uh, Barbara Streisand. Who says you know and who is one of the greatest performers that that is out there, but she throws up before she goes on stage, you know it makes her very nervous, mm-hmm. and some of that adrenaline is a good thing
1: uh, oh absolutely i have I tell people all the time you do not want to lose the butterflies in your tummy, It's right. because you what we want to do is channel that as energy. I heard an interview mm-hmm. one time or read somewhere I forget but which, but it was with Carol Burnett who said that she had a show where she kind of got just a little cocky after so many years on the air mm-hmm. queen of comedy of the 1970s and uh and she had no butterflies in her stomach and she said it was a terrible show right. and the next week remembering that her stomach was all up in knots and it was one of her best shows ever mm-hmm. so right. we we a little bit is good i don't i've I been mean, at this oh well, gosh uh Fifteen, sixteen 15, 16 years now, and I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever heard my intro read before a speech without a little bit of butterflies in my stomach. Right. I just don't judge it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and again, it, it is good. And, you know, we need to learn how to channel that energy so that we're not up there, like I, you know, I was saying, you know, I, I tend to talk too fast. That's one of the things that I have to channel when I get ready to speak is to not be up there going 900 miles an hour. Mm-hmm.
1: And and that's one I hear a lot is I end up talking too fast either in general which which is also my bugaboo I'm a New Yorker and if I can get a whole day's talking done in 15 minutes I feel efficient right. uh, but if if people say either in general I talk too fast like like me or when I'm speaking in front of a group I get nervous so I pick up speed mm-hmm. and it's it's yes of course you want to be kind of in the back of your mind saying slow down slow down mm-hmm. but but that's hard to constantly do while focusing. So Mm -hmm. in the rehearsal process, let me backtrack. As we're putting together a speech, we're going to work on something I call the seven variants of vocal variety, and I'll talk more about that. But when Mm -hmm. we're working on our vocal variety and figuring out how to use that, one of the aspects of vocal variety is carefully placed pauses to create anticipation, to create feelings, to let the last thing we said sink in. So if you put in those pauses in the right place, it accomplishes two things. One it gives people a chance to catch up with you if you 've been going a little faster, and mm-hmm. two, when we come out of a pause, just like a you know when you stop at a stop sign you don't hit fifty right away, you right. work your way up again, so you're probably going to start a little slower again after those pauses
0: right so let's just take a step back because this is you know it this is not a typical program on here is how you speak and how you present <laughs> primarily because you use improv excuse me improv i hiccuped as i said that um what first let's talk about what is improv and then how did you get involved in it
1: sure we jump way ahead to the, the latter years <laughs> let's get the I know. beginning, which is fine Whee! um i was new to california it's 1989 and mm-hmm. I had moved out here for a job with a utility as a computer programmer, a completely different career. If you'd told me mm-hmm. what I'd be doing at this point in my life, when I got to California, I just would have looked at you funny. Right. And I had nobody to go to lunch with. So there was a, there were two different Toastmasters groups in the building. My building was, mm-hmm. was a skyscraper, so there was enough oh, for a whole cool. club right in you know, in the building. And I went to both of them just to have something to do with two out of my five lunch hours. Well, I discovered mm-hmm. I really liked it, really enjoyed it, got very involved. And for those who don't know, because I discovered not everyone knows what Toastmasters is, Toastmasters mm-hmm. is a club. Where you go, and each week two or three people give a presentation, and two or three right. other people give their evaluations of them, mm-hmm. and together as a community, besides becoming friendly, we support each other in improving our right. speaking skills. It's a very slow way to grow, mm-hmm. which is why I really like helping people through coaching. But it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a nice setting to to learn some things. Right. So one day somebody told me about a group called Laugh Masters, and I said, Oh, what's mm-hmm. that? And they said, oh, mm-hmm. It's Toastmasters with a, an emphasis on humor. I said, oh, my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, twice a month in another part of town. It wasn't in my building. And so one meeting a month was a normal Toastmasters meeting, but again with an emphasis on humor. And the other one was everybody got up and told a joke. Instead of a a little speech, that was what they did for the first half. So you left there with 30 new jokes, which was great. Mm -hmm. And the second half of the meeting, they had someone who would either speak on an aspect of humor or who was a humorous speaker in some way. And so you would just enjoy Ah. them. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Out of the blue, one month – I must have been there a year, two years at that point – somebody hired an improv troupe instead of a speaker for the second half. Well, this is a long time ago, way before. Whose line is it anyway? I didn't know there was such a thing as improvisation. That word mm-hmm. everyone mixes up with stand-up because of that club. And you know, bless them, they did a great job. Still do. Oh, right. But I wish they had not called it at the Improv because mm-hmm. no improv takes place there. Oh, it's all right. stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. very rehearsed, very planned mm-hmm. out.
0: very scripted. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, people try things, but it's not improv, and you're and you're on your own. Improv, mm-hmm. for those who have not experienced is about a group of people coming together, getting ideas from the audience, and creating scenes and playing games. That And every show is fresh and new, and it's never the same twice in the least. They're completely mm-hmm. different. So I'm watching this happen in front of me, and I'm just mesmerized. Other people were enjoying it, but I was mesmerized thinking – I'm supposed to be doing that. That is so me because I'm always the one who's like, hey, let's play charades, big energy, playful, creativity, all this. Stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm watching them just – I can't believe this is a thing that you can get up and do this. And I sheepishly approached one of them afterwards, not realizing, you know, that they were not the most experienced improvisers. I I didn't know. And I went Mm -hmm. and said, how does one learn to do what you do? And they said, oh, you know, we're not even really a troupe. We're just an improv class that uh, if someone is willing to bring us in to do a show, we're thrilled to get some public attention. So uh, they said, you ought to call our improv teacher, Jackie. So I Mm -hmm. did the next day. And she said, uh, it's summertime, so my regular classes aren't running, but I have improv drop-ins where anyone at any level can just come and mm-hmm. play together. So I did those for a few weeks until the end of summer, and she took me aside afterwards and said, if I put you in my beginner's class, you are going to be so bored. You do not need to come out of your shell. Mm-hmm. So she said, I'm going to put you in my intermediate class. And I met people there who I ended up forming a troupe with, and that troupe led to – us becoming the San Diego chapter of an international organization called theater sports where it's an improv mm-hmm. competition each week, two teams of Wow. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I was in that from uh, 93 to 2007, 14 years I was with them. It was a great, mm-hmm. great group. Uh, uh, we ended because we did a fundraiser. That was the exact opposite of a fundraiser. It, it wiped our bank account, <laughs> but Oops. it wasn't exactly oh, yeah. managed well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but wonderful times with wonderful people and While I was doing improv, besides having lots and lots of fun with it, what I started noticing was that people who do improv always talk about how it affects the rest of their life. How there was this thing that happened at work and I came up with this thing on the fly. I came up with this new idea. I handled a bad situation well. I diffused a fight between people by coming up with an idea that it kind of Mm -hmm. changes the way you think because of the techniques you use to be able to work with others well on stage. Mm. Around 97, 98, when websites started to really become more known, someone mm-hmm. in my came up over my cubicle where I was probably trying to pretend I was working because I didn't really like my career and said, hey, check out this website. It's a company on the East Coast that uses improv for team building. And I Ooh. immediately went to it. Yeah, and I, I mean I had no interest in, Not in – I had an interest. I had no intention of quitting my job at that point. But I was looking at their website, and they were describing what games they played to teach, what lessons. I was like, oh, I get why that game teaches building on each other's ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. that game is about how, how people can handle a problem when it comes up. Oh, that game isn't a good choice for that, what they ought to do. Mm-hmm. And I sat there at my desk and just came up with a little itinerary of what ah. I would do if I ever gave a team building course using improv. And it sat in the mm-hmm. drawer like a little little dream list. Mm-hmm. Well, in late 99, my company offered voluntary separation packages, and I decided if I don't do this, I will be on my deathbed wondering why I spent 40 years right. as a computer programmer. Mm-hmm. So I took the package, uh, and and if anyone has ever offered a package, read the fine print because I didn't know all that money that I accepted was going into my 401k. I thought I was oh, to live on. Oops. Yeah, big oops. Yeah. Big, big oops. Uh, but fortunately, I did have some savings that got me through until – Improv Ventures and its team-provising course took off, and I started getting people who understood that improv is about listening skills, building on each other's ideas, creative problem-solving, nonverbal communication. So while my my, my groups that come to me from these corporate groups and other organizations are having lots of fun, they're raising their hands after games going, you know what? What just happened? That happens in our staff meetings. Or I have a Mm -hmm. client that pulls that nonsense on me, and it's not funny under that circumstances. How do I deal with that? And so we get to process real-world stuff through the fun of the games. Mm -hmm. Also, when I'm critiquing people on how they're playing the games and why they're not winning the games and why they're not succeeding in the games, nobody is offended by it because I'm helping them succeed at the games. Mm -hmm. But over in the corner, the boss is giving me the thumbs up because what he's really saying to me is, thank you. What she just couldn't succeed in that game in, it's the same thing that drives everybody crazy about her at work. And now she's a little more aware. But coming from me because I'm not her coworker, coming from critiquing the game, not how she handled herself in Mm -hmm. an interview setting, whatever – There's no offense taken. And so people have these ahas that they can take back on their own without anybody saying, yep, that's you. Or sometimes Mm -hmm. point it out. They'll go, yeah, I know you all know I'm like that. And and people can laugh at themselves in that.
0: Right. Right. And that's the important thing about incorporating play and games is we just learn from it. I mean, hello, that's what we grew up doing. And somewhere, you know, in high school or college, we thought, now we have to be professional and we can't learn. And. And you know, maybe even a little bit later than that, but we, we stopped learning through playing. And what I love is that you bring that back into the business environment.
1: We give the, we're we given the impression by the world because of how many times we're told to grow up, how many times we're told right. to act your age and all these things.
0: Be that, professional. Right.
1: And there's a place for that. I mean, Lord knows we don't want people in all things right. acting like seven-year-olds, even though they do sometimes. Uh, but we do turn off that switch about play even though – All studies that we have done about play and about the brain show that there is no age at which it's not one of the best ways for us to incorporate learning into our memories, into our functioning. It's still all there. And Mm -hmm. and you're starting to see a little return to that. Uh, I saw a study recently that said stories excite both sides of the brain as compared to Ah. data that only excites one side of the brain. So if Mm -hmm. you want to make something more memorable, we're better off telling it through a story. Well, that's and I bring that up in my public speaking skill stuff, but I bring it up now to point out that play is like story in action. We're part of creating a story with someone. We're creating mm-hmm. a story, not only the story in the moment, but being able to talk about it afterwards. We've created a situation that's memorable so that people can think back to it. And those things lodge in our brains. Um, mm-hmm. One of the programs I want to talk to you about later is a program where we perform. I come with two or three improvisers all together, and we do a show slash keynote – I never gonna know quite how to describe it – we, where we prove 10 business <laughs> points through 10 improv games. Mm-hmm. And one of the companies that I did this for, we, one of the 10 points was quality results can't be rushed. And the way we ah. prove that one is we play a game called halftime where we do a scene based on an audience suggestion in one minute. And then we say, suppose our boss said we can only do that in 30 seconds. So we redo the same scene. But in only 30 seconds, then 15 seconds, Mm -hmm. then 8 seconds, then 4 seconds, Mm -hmm. then 2 seconds. And, of course, the quality goes down with each cutting it back. And so we end up with the point that quality results can't be rushed. Well, people Mm -hmm. enjoyed the moment. They saw the storyline. Weeks later, I got an email from someone that said we were in a staff meeting and the, the top manager tried to cut the time on a project. And someone on the team went, whoa, 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 quality results can't be rushed. (laughs) And everyone in the room laughed because it took them back to that moment with the game. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the manager said, "Okay, I'm going to give you the full two weeks, but, you know, results better be good. I mean, just just from remembering that they laughed together in that story.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it took them back in a positive way as opposed to saying, you know, the last time you rushed us through this, we didn't get it done.
1: Absolutely. Right on target.
0: So I you know I love the concept of of improv because it does make you really think on your feet and and as you said listen to the other people and and all of those things and you know that's not what a lot of public speaker coaches I didn't say that right people who teach people who whatever um you know they they teach us now here's where to stand and here's how to properly modulate your voice and of course all of those things are important but you know, the the improv also comes in, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because we can't always be scripted. There are things that are going to happen, and some of this is having to deal with that. You know, picking up on people's body language. I had somebody fall asleep in the front row one time. Now, <laughs> did I wake them up? No. You know, and, and I thought, you know, okay. But, as long but as they yeah, don't snore. that's That's, that's yeah. and the point. And then you work it in. But, you know, even if it's just as something as simple as somebody sneezes and you go, Gesundheit. In the, you know, it's it's kind of being able to deal with things in the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and not ignoring, not ignoring, right? Not ignoring. Right. Those things that happen, the pink elephants mm-hmm. in the room are are just killers because people right. try not to acknowledge them, and then it's all mm-hmm. anyone is thinking about. Right. One of my favorite moments with, with that was I was on stage in front of a, a good sized audience. It was probably a hundred, two hundred people in there somewhere, and there was a giant vinyl banner on the the wall for the organization. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, I couldn't have planned this. I had just talked about the fact that sometimes in life you don't know what's going to come up when all of a sudden whatever was holding this banner – Oh no! Just gave way, and this thing—how it was? Probably twenty feet wide and six or seven feet high. I mean, oh. huge thing came mm-hmm. crashing down behind me and just missed me. I mean, uh-huh. I don't know if I could have been hurt by vinyl, but it could have knocked me down at least. Right. And of course, the whole audience was just gasping, and people were jumping to their feet. And I realized this is going to take over the entire speech and beat mm-hmm. the I mean, So if I tried to act like that hadn't happened. It would have been ridiculous, but I need right. – and even though my heart was pounding, I needed to put them at ease so that we mm-hmm. could go on because I didn't want to lose the speech mm-hmm. over this silliness. Right. So I had just said, you don't know what's going to come up. And I said, you also don't know what's going to come down. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, and then that got you right back on to talking.
1: Yeah, it, it, it didn't get a huge laugh, but it did get a chuckle because they still were worried for me. But really nothing mm-hmm. had happened to me except that I was right. startled. And mm-hmm. so instead of acting like it wasn't there, I just said, I know that – It's a little distracting that that is all over the back of the stage. But would you all mind if we just left it there? It's not doing any harm right now. I just, you know, I have one foot foot less stage. There's plenty of room for me. Mm -hmm. How about we all just take our seats and just we'll deal with that later? And them seeing that it was no big deal to me, even though, like I said, my heart was pounding, I didn't Mm -hmm. let it show. And Mm -hmm. the pink elephant in the room just became a pink elephant who was just sitting in a corner instead of dancing all over the stage.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And, And you're right. People would have kept focusing on that. And, you know, whether they were thinking what else is going to fall down or are you going to trip or, you know, why did it fall and did it, you know, and, and you just brought them back into the moment.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, th- it's just a question of of acknowledging we're all human. There's nothing here mm-hmm. that we can't deal with. Something like dry mouth. I've seen people suffer so much through dry mouth on stage because they don't want to seem human taking a drink. Right. I was like, well. But you're, you want your audience to relate to you, so mm-hmm. you being human can make that work. Now, a nice way mm-hmm. to do it – I'm going to practice right now. I've got my tea next to me, and i you probably don't know, but I've sipped it several times while we're talking. Right. So if I were to mm-hmm. say one of the best things that we can do when we're working with our clients is to tell them that, so what did I just do? Not only did I'm I get paused. my little drink – yeah, not only did mm-hmm. I just get a little drink of my tea because I needed it, mm-hmm. but I left you going, "Ooh, what? What, yes. What's the mm-hmm. best things we can do with yeah. our clients? So I can use it to my advantage, and now my throat isn't mm-hmm. dry, which was the more important thing for the right. speaker.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and you're right. It's, it is about learning how to use those little things that make us human. Um, you know, I, I always have something to, to drink with me, and, and I learned the hard way that it needs to be a bottle of water with a lid. Mm-hmm. <clears> because <throat> I brought the cup of water on top of me one time. And I mean, it was hilarious. It was funny. You know, luckily it went over the laptop, did not, you know, no, no technical fries, but I mean, it just hit me right smack on my chest and we just kind of laughed. I buttoned my jacket and we, we went merrily along, but you know, it, if I'd gone, oh my gosh, I got wet. you know, then that would have been, you know, horrible. And, and, um, you know, and, and, and things happen. I doubt that anybody ever gets through anything, you know. Whether it's that you're giving a presentation to your team and somebody's cell phone rings, or you know the air conditioner kicks on and and all of a sudden you can't be heard, or your papers fly away, or heaven forbid your tech fails, it's about learning how to get through those in a graceful way.
1: It's both. It's two things. That I'm not not taking anything away from what you. Just said it's learning how to be prepared for most of the right. things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then also handling them with grace when they do. I've only mm-hmm. had the tech totally die on me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But I simply refer back revert back to my notes and I describe what's on the screen. Right. If I didn't know I better have my notes on the lap on mm-hmm. the lectern, then I couldn't do that. Now, mm-hmm. because I've rehearsed enough, I'm not reliant on my notes and rehearsing mm-hmm. the whole thing unto itself. We could know about how to prepare, but at least I know I can call fall back on it. There was a speech I gave to, of all people, Meeting Professionals International. I mean, here's a group of the, everyone, oh, no. everyone in the room is, has the potential to refer business to me. This is a group I right. don't want to mess up in front of. Mm-hmm. And they, the, they could not figure out why it, the laptop kept dying. Well, it turned out. They, they were running the plug, but the plug itself literally wasn't plugged in. So they didn't know it was running on battery. <laughs> and so once they finally realized, oh, it's the, the plug was sitting next to it. I don't know why someone would, would put it next to it and not plug. It, yeah, but that's uh-huh. what it was. So I had to go for about 20 minutes. And of course, you have to have the distraction. of People crawling under tables and people are watching that. Mm-hmm. But I just had to keep on going. And I right. and my notes were over on the lectern and I just went and I went and I went, mm-hmm. and then I just stopped. And the audience looked at me and I said. And apparently that's as much of my program as I know by heart. Would you excuse me for a moment? And I got a laugh because they mm-hmm. forgot that I was counting on my PowerPoint. Right. I didn't know how far I could go. So mm-hmm. I got a little left. Now, I probably would have handled that differently now. I probably would have wandered over toward the lectern while talking, looked at my mm-hmm. – kept going.
0: Maybe, yeah. But mm-hmm. the
1: fact that I pointed – and actually, I got a little round of applause because it reminded them, oh, that's right. He was he was counting mm-hmm. on having his PowerPoint. He went 20 right. minutes. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Well, and and you're right, it is so about being prepared. I mean, we should never rely a hundred percent on our tech. You know for whatever reason, it could fail. And and the more important the meeting is, the more important you better have backups and, and things like that.
1: Right. Yeah. I, and sometimes you learn on the fly. I mean, most of the good lessons I've learned, I've learned from something that went wrong. To right. Me. And happily, I'm at mm-hmm. this long enough that fewer things go wrong. But just this past year, I, I learned one. The tech went out. It's one of the two or three times ever that I've had to completely go without PowerPoint. And so I had my notes for my speaking. I was fine. But what mm-hmm. I didn't have on the stage was a copy of the handout. And, ah. and the handout was a fill-in-the-blank, so I couldn't remember what words they didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so I had to keep stopping and go, so tell me what the next thing says. And someone right. in the audience would say, uh, you know, be sure to blank. Oh, be sure to mm-hmm. blank. Right. I know what that right. is. And and so it became this running joke that until they got the the, the tech going, I had to keep asking them mm-hmm. what the next thing was. But. Right. But me looking playful ended up putting them at ease and I had people come up to me. This has happened to me a lot. People when things go wrong and I've handled them with grace, people have come up to me afterwards and said, You didn't fool me. You did that to show us, you know, how to mm-hmm. things on the fly. I'm like, I would never purposely undermine this event to show you right. how to handle things with mm-hmm. grace, But thank you for the compliment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could ever convince them.
0: Right. Yeah, you know, and and I love what you said that you got them involved because it, it obviously it depends on who you're presenting to and you know, all that good stuff. But you You do that in a lot of your presentations where you get the audience involved in some way or another. Now you know i I love the fact that sometimes you're bringing them on stage and they're doing things you know and and again, it depends on what it is and and all of those. but the more you get them involved and engaged, the more likely they are to remember it also absolutely,
1: and that's why I do the handouts the way that I do the fill in the blank it's if you give someone everything on the handout. All they have to do is sit and listen, and their mind can right. wander, but just something as simple as, as number five, be sure to blank. Well, people don't mm-hmm. want to miss the blanks, so it keeps them involved, and then when they hear it, they fit, it, it's that aha feeling, and it, it's a burst of adrenaline, and they write it down on the paper. Uh, it works really well except for one thing. More and more conferences want everything to be electronic, and it kills me because that now they have every invitation to think, oh, I'll just look at it later. I can t- – Right. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. So if the group is small enough, I just bite the bullet and I go to my kinkos and I pay mm-hmm. for the handouts. And mm-hmm. some, some people – and I've had people say to me, oh, that was so much better. I'm so glad. People – I don't think people do like the electronic handouts. The only no. good thing about it is that you get to be lazy, which isn't good for your memory, mm-hmm. and that it's cheaper. So
0: Right. Right. You know, and we hate killing trees, but if it means we're absorbing the message better – then so be it. When
1: I look back on notes from conferences that I went to, it's it's often not what's on the paper. It's what I wrote in the margins. Right. Oh, there's no margins on an iPad. Mm-hmm. People aren't doing that anymore. They're stopping doing it. And that's a shame. Mm-hmm. That's where I used to write down things like, uh, tell Debbie about this, you know, mm-hmm. or, or apply this to this situation. Mm-hmm. So that when I look back on my notes, I'm like, oh, that's right. That was a case where I could have done this thing that this speaker was saying. But when mm-hmm. it just kind of washes over you, that's gone.
0: Right. So you work a lot with companies to do team building by using improvisation and you call it team improvising. Right. So why is this a good thing? You know, why why would people want their their employees, their, you know, maybe their volunteers, whatever it is, but why would they why is this a good thing for people to learn how to to improvise as as a team? Sure.
1: And and I get a lot of people who say, you know, this is not a funny group of people.
0: Right, I can't make them be funny, or it's a serious subject, or man. Right,
1: well, we are we are scientists, we are accountants, we are librarians, mm-hmm. and and this is not going to necessarily be a playful group. And one of the things I always have to warn people about when they check the video out on my website is that day I had a really playful group. Mm-hmm. I adapted to that. The day that, and, and it's funny, you can't stereotype. I try walked into a group of accountants expecting this is going to be a dry group and they were so playful and then the same mm-hmm. week I got a group of librarians I'm like oh my gosh if I if the accountants were wild the librarians are going to be crazy and the librarians were exactly the stereotype
0: so, oh no they shushed oh my you. god their oh.
1: favorite part of the entire thing was after each exercise when they got to spend several minutes writing about what they thought <laughs> and I was like
0: quiet time they
1: loved it they, they couldn't wait to get back and do that and then share their mm-hmm. notes with each other they probably filed them Dewey Decimal they, they, mm-hmm, they, I don't mm-hmm. know what they did with them they probably don't even have to be decimal anymore um so we i never know what that's going to be but when people say that i say it's not about turning them into robin williams it's about figuring out how they handle the exercise that might be a little outside their comfort zone one guy Mm -hmm. said to me i don't care what they learn from it as long as they're outside their comfort zone for the day which was very interesting Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he said i'm always looking for ways to do that he said the more i can expand their comfort zones in general the more they're going to handle whatever i throw at them that's closer to their comfort zone i thought it was very interesting right and so Mm. he had a group that that they were they were navy engineers techie people uh they weren't in the navy they were all ex-navy and that's why he hired them for their navy experience and Mm -hmm. he wanted them besides being outside of their comfort zone to recognize things about the way they communicate and so i picked out games that had a lot to do with communication and when i'm doing these games I, i i i take people through a process because i can't just throw them into the the tougher stuff i got to build up Mm -hmm. so usually i will have some things that the whole group is doing all at once and then i'll have them break into pairs and then i get to Mm -hmm. watch the pairs and see who some of the more outgoing people are. Mm-hmm. And that gives me the chance to say, hey, Tina, can I, would you be willing to do something with me? Because I've figured out by now, Tina will do anything. And so right. Tina comes up and she and I do something, we get a laugh. Then I, then I get two people who know each other and see if people tend to pair with their friends at first until I stop that. So then I get mm-hmm. two friends to come up and try something. By the end, little by little, the idea of getting up in front of the group is no longer hard. And they're not doing public right. speaking, they're doing mm-hmm. a silly game. They might be trying to have a conversation without using a certain letter of the alphabet Um, and a big part of this is a willingness to fail that's a big part of what learn. is that if you don't fail sometimes you never accomplish anything brilliant Mm -hmm. the troupe that i was in all those years san diego theater sports had a theory that came from our our big guru who uh, lived and lives as far as i know still in calgary and his theory was if more than 80 percent of your show succeeded you probably played it too safe and didn't do enough that was brilliant Mm -hmm. So that's a very different mindset than, oh my gosh, wouldn't we be lucky if 100% of this show succeeded? So when we did notes after a show, and we always did, we kind of mentally tabulated. And and if, if we didn't have a few things that went wrong, we'd say, okay, have things gotten too easy? How can we make that game harder? Mm-hmm. Because the audiences really enjoy watching you fail a little bit. Right. want to see that excitement.
0: It makes you be human.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and that means that when you do succeed, it's like, oh, he screwed up the last thing, but he got that one. Yay! And there's, Yay! there's an energy about mm-hmm. it. Well, a lot of people don't have that improv mentality of 80%. They are 100% people, and if something is potentially going to go wrong, they're not going to do it. Good example, when I speak to, to kids and I ask for a volunteer there's not one hand down. But you right. ask a group of, uh, of adults without knowing what it is. Can I, would someone come up on stage, please? Or does anyone have a question?
0: Oh, yeah. Nobody. Nobody, mm-hmm. Because
1: everyone is so afraid of failing, even if mm-hmm. what I'm going to do is going to make them look like a hero. Right. So one of the things that I really help people to get through the day is this is a place to fail. If you're not failing, you're, you're failing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, it's And it's amazing how some people – and I'm sure it's childhood-related. I'm sure it's previous boss-related. Sometimes I've actually told a tough boss, please don't take the course with them today because they're going to be so afraid of not pleasing you. Other times mm-hmm. I've invited the boss specifically because I, I've said they need to see you taking chances and setting the intention that we've talked about to see, oh, if if Diane is willing to fail today, then, then I can too. Uh, right. Especially if Diane does it and laughs at herself afterwards. It takes so much of the pressure off. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the group whether I recommend the boss coming or not. But that Mm -hmm. ability to just say, whatever happens in here, what's the big deal? And there's a few games that you cannot, literally cannot succeed at if you don't fail along the way. It's not possible, not not how Mm good an improviser you are. And so some people, especially engineers, uh, really have trouble even participating knowing Mm -hmm. that they're going to fail at some point. Uh, Mm -hmm. They just don't know how to even start. But over the course of the day, they lighten up, they relax a little bit, and then they say, this was a really valuable lesson for me to be able to do it, especially in front of these people who I Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to fail in front of. Mm -hmm. And then I get to talk about, you know what, if at work we are never willing to look imperfect, not just to fail, but imperfect in advance, when do we have the courage to ask someone who knows better than us for help? How right. do we have the chance to offer help without feeling like we're insulting someone? Mm-hmm. And when someone does make a mistake and something doesn't go right, what a difference to work in an atmosphere where instead of feeling like over the coffee co- uh, coffee co- was saying? <laughs> the coffee the machine that people are going, oh, my God, did you see what happened to Bill? Poor Bill. I would never want to be in his shoes. Hi, Bill. Oh, poor Bill. Instead of mm-hmm. that, to be able to go up to Bill and say, hey, just so you know, what happened on the Perkins account, You know, nobody could have handled that better than you even though it didn't right. work out. The chances you took, what you came up with, was really cool, and we all learned from it. So, so thank mm-hmm. for what you shared about what didn't go right for you. I mean, what
0: a difference! Right, you know, and, and everybody fails. I mean, you know, there. I'm of course not remembering it off the top of my <laughs> head, but the Michael the Michael Jordan quote where you know he actually missed more shots than he made mm. you know and and all of those various things you know that Steve Jobs didn't immediately create you know the the computer and you know all of these various things they didn't you know it didn't go poof and you know we we had it i mean how many failed attempts did Einstein have or um, Edison? You know, all of those things. And, and some of them are happy accidents. It's like, oh, well, this didn't work, but look what really did. Um, you know, and, and things like that. But yeah, everybody fails. And I think that's what we have to be reminded of is, hello, it just means we're human. Sure.
1: In the team-provising course, that certainly comes up. But as as you can see, this is an important lesson. It's a, it, it was a huge eye-opener for me on many levels. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I give two keynotes more than any others. Uh there's three three main ones I give a two more than the others. There's the, uh, the th- in third place is that entertainment one where we do the the, the 10 games that prove business points. Right. We have one list on sales, we have one list on teamwork and management. We get asked for that once in a while. Uh mm-hmm. more often than that I give my program on public speaking which is based on the t- it, the title is the same as my book public speaking get A's not Z's. But the speech mm-hmm. that I give the most is the one called we got to fail to succeed. And mm. So we talk about the things that you and I have been talking about, about failure. I talk about stories from my life, from history, from the business world that relate to that. And then I relate it back to improv. And I say, mm-hmm. so a lot of people say to me, you know, oh, I've seen that Whose Line Is It Anyway show or I caught a live improv show. And I could never mm-hmm. be that creative. Oh, that's, that's so much creativity. But one of the things I point out to them is that creativity is only about a quarter of the equation. Another quarter of it is being a good listener. Can I count on okay. you, Deb, if we're in a scene to to, be, to pay attention? So if I refer to mm-hmm. you as Mildred at the beginning of the scene and then your character leaves and then I open a letter and I go, oh, Mildred, get in here. And you've forgotten your Mildred.
0: Yeah, I got to remember. I'm Ooh, stuck, by Mildred.
1: Right. So that, mm-hmm. that careful listening is like another quarter of it. Another mm-hmm. quarter of it is cooperation. Can you give up? Your idea, if I say something that doesn't fit with it, so you're you're like, oh, shoot, Milo's idea wasn't as good as mine, but if I fight with him on stage for my idea, the audience is watching us fight. I need to let go of my idea and build on Milo's Mm -hmm. idea, and that can be hard, but it's what makes the scene work, so that that willingness to cooperate, and the last quarter of it is commitment. Can you stay the mm-hmm. course when things aren't going well? I've been in improv scenes where for the first minute, nothing funny right. happened, and you just want to die. But something happens at that one-minute mark, and all of a sudden it all starts snowballing. It ends up being the best scene of the night, and that first minute just looks like it was there to set up the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So you got to stay the course. I'm sure at some point in your life, and probably more than once, you've been on a project thinking, oh, my gosh. If I could be like that first Superman movie and fly around the world and turn time back, I would not right. volunteer to be on this project. Mm-hmm. But you stayed the course, and maybe it wasn't an A+, but it was a solid B, and you were mm-hmm. glad you stayed the course. Right. So, for,
0: Or it might have actually been an F, but you learned yeah, from
1: yeah. it. Yeah, and, and, and that's – I mean looking back at the Fs in our lives, that's what makes us able to function. That's why people say our 40s and our 50s are so much easier. We've already gotten through mm-hmm. so many of the lessons we don't have to repeat. So if you're willing to listen and cooperate and commit, that's 75 percent of it. The creativity, I help people find that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's in all of us. And once you let go of the other stuff and you're willing to play, suddenly that creativity comes out. So when I mm-hmm. point this out to the audience during We Gotta Fail to Succeed, I get people nodding like they understand. I'm like, good, good. You're getting the idea. Good. It's your turn to try it. Turn to the Mm -hmm. person next to you, and in this program, which is usually 60 or 90 minutes, for about half the time, I'm leading the whole audience in playing some of the games that I do in team provising with smaller groups where I can give them personal feedback. I've chosen Mm -hmm. out just a few games that do work with a big audience, so if it's 400 people – that's 200 pairs playing the game, right. and instead of giving individual feedback, I just run around, eavesdrop a little bit, go back to the stage, and talk about some of the common mm-hmm. things that are probably happening in their pairs. When I pointed out, usually everyone in the room laughs because I've nailed 99% of the room because beginners right. always make right. the same mistakes, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they get a little bit of a flavor for it within the fun of playing, but it livens up a conference. It, but it's not just play. It's not like I'm just there and they had a good time and then they go back to work. Those thoughts kind of stay with them through the rest of the conference. So it's a great mm-hmm. kickoff for energizing the program. It's a great energizer in the middle of the program to bring people back. Uh, people have a really good time with it, but I'm mm-hmm. more satisfied with the fact that I get notes from people going, boy, what you said really stuck with me. And I realized just how many places in my life I don't take chances because I'm so afraid of failing. and what is the big deal if I fail now and then? Mm-hmm. Somebody gets that out of it, it makes me feel so good.
0: Right. Now, I'm, I'm, as you were saying this, it made me curious because we've all mm, hopefully not been that person, but we've all seen the person where they are not going to participate and they are not going to have fun. What the heck do you do when you've got those type of people? I mean, you can't really, I, I mean, I guess you could call them out. But, you know, again, this is part of the whole team building thing because, you know, you might have somebody who is on your team or, you know, again, a volunteer group or something. And you've got that person who is the I am not gonna do this person yeah. this is stupid this is silly me 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 me.
1: so there's two ways that that could show up for me it could show up where i have the audience member who's doing it and it could show up where mm-hmm. i have the team building member who's doing it in the right. case of the audience member it's a hard lesson to learn that not everyone is going to like me and mm-hmm. it's just and if you see uh, 99 smiles and a crossed arm person who is checking his phone now to go you know what this is the one who is not relating to my message at this point in time. Right. I don't have to make that be about me and I can still right. you know, it's hard it's hard because he
0: may have had a bad day. Yep, who knows?
1: Exactly. Um that that's that, so that's where I go with that. In the team building mm-hmm. setting, it is harder. So what I'm doing through the games is because I I show up with enough games to cover eight hours and I have never given an, a full eight hour course. I do wow. I do three, mm-hmm. four, five and six hour Mm -hmm. I'll do two if I have to. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem with two, of course, is that by the time they warm up, it's over. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I try and get to more than that. But I show up with more games than I could possibly do. So on the fly, I could pick where does this group seem to go and seem to okay. be. And, and there's also breaks. You know, I, uh, people wear out, so I always try and take mm-hmm. a, a few breaks throughout, try to give people a chance to talk amongst themselves. And sometimes I'll, I'll try and sidle up to that person and find out what it is. Maybe there's something mm-hmm. just going on at work that's distracting him and he's not present. Or maybe mm-hmm. he feels like he's being put on the spot a little too. Right. Much. So mm-hmm. if I can find that out, I can adapt. But what I'm really doing is watching when does he seem to put his arms down a little bit. Ah, this kind of game works better. He likes the group activities. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Maybe I'll call up less. I had one woman who was nice enough to come up to me. This actually just coincidentally, the same Navy group that I mentioned for a while back. Uh And she came up to me and said, I am the admin here. And the idea of doing improv with these guys is really intimidating to me. Mm -hmm. I said, thank you so much for telling me. How about we come up with this as a compromise? You're going to do all the group activities, okay? She goes, that I'm okay with. I said, and if we break into pairs, you'll work one-on-one with someone. She goes, I could do that. I said, great. When it comes time to call pairs up, and I'm always pairing people with different people. When it comes time Mm -hmm. to do pairs with people, you're always going to be in the last pair that I call on. Nobody's going to notice that I did this because you're always going to have different partners. And and When we get to that point, I'm going to look to you. And if you nod, you'll get up and do it. And if you shake your head slightly, I'm going to say, you know what? We need to move on because there's more things we need to do. I'm sorry, not everyone has to participate. And Mm -hmm. what it gave her was a sense that she had some control. Right. And not once did she shake her head, just knowing that she could in her case. Oh, okay. So it's Mm -hmm. a technique I've used a few times since when I sense that someone's not really comfortable. But Mm -hmm. I do find that if I just praise people for everything, Every little thing that they do do, it's, um, it's, it's often enough to let people know it's okay. He's not going to critique me. Now, of mm-hmm. course, when I'm a public speaking coach, I do have to critique people. That's, that's right. what they're paying me for. Um, uh, but it's it's about doing it in a way that they can really hear it. So sometimes I can see people are gonna be defensive and I can only give them a little bit of, you know, of the constructive stuff with each one and then maybe mm-hmm. I have to have them do it again so that they can get the praise that they need. Other mm-hmm. people are like, Come on, I know I did more than that wrong. Let me have it, let me have it. I'm right, like, okay, right. I can but i would never want to not also point out what they did right partly for their ego but partly also because it's not just about correcting mistakes it's about accentuating what they do right if i don't tell them what they're mm-hmm. doing right how can they right so you you do deal with different personalities and you know once in a long while there's someone in team improvising that i never went over and people will say to me afterwards Oh my gosh! I can't believe you even got Dave to stay. He he complained mm-hmm. about having to do this. He said this was going to be stupid, da, da, da. but I could tell that for Dave this was a good day. I'm like, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Another great success story I had with uh, with it was with a, a utility company I was working with, and I had this one guy who was just like too much energy, barrel of like 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 settle down, settle down. He was, he was steamrollering me. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be taking the train home with the guy who hired me. It just worked out that way. We were both going back to San Diego and he Mm -hmm. said, so yeah. So about Sal, I said, yeah, that it must be hard to figure out how to rein that energy in. He said, yeah, uh, Sal never says a thing unless it's to criticize someone. I'm like, what? I said, that he was like too much fun, like to the point where it was a problem. Mm-hmm. He said people were coming up to me all day long saying, "That's not Sal. That can't."
0: What they do to Sal?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and in this case, it was a very interesting choice the manager had. He had 18 people in a really really dysfunctional group. I didn't know how bad mm-hmm. it was until the train ride home. He told me more, um, and he invited one person from accounting, one person from legal, and one person from some other department, other departments that their IT group was having trouble with because mm-hmm. they thought not, he thought, not only do I want us to get along well, but I want us to have an ally in each of these sections. So they invited the worst person from each group, and Sal. Oh. Sal was the guy from accounting who drove them nuts. Uh-huh. Well, people came up to him all day long and said, that can't be Sal. But mm-hmm. it, it was Sal in a different environment. And what ha- came out of it was when people had problems in accounting with IT and were griping, Sal would say, oh, you don't know those guys like I do. I'll get them on the phone. And he became their greatest ally. Hmm. So I had a hard time reining him in, but the bottom line was good results that mm-hmm. he became easier to deal with. And not to mention just dealing with Sal, the 18 people in that group, the manager said sent me a, a really nice letter that said, I felt like I never got to project manage because I was too busy people managing. And now mm-hmm. they're getting along better. They're they're actually talking out their own problems and using the communication techniques we talked about. Mm-hmm. I can actually go back to the job I'm supposed to be doing. He said that made right. all worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. and And it is that they're learning those skills, you know it's not that they're being silly and stupid they're learning skills that help them to become uh, you know the the better team
1: absolutely they they do because we almost almost every game has a lesson I can talk about afterwards and how it applies to work. One of the questions mm-hmm. I do ask the person hiring me is on a scale of zero to ten where zero is i don't care if they have any fun it's all about what they learn and ten mm-hmm. is i don't care if they learn anything, I just want them to have fun. What number mm-hmm. sounds right to you? And five is my favorite number. Right. Like six and sevens are good. But once mm-hmm. in a while, someone has said with this group two, and that's really mm-hmm. important. There are in, in a two day there are no games that I choose that I can't talk about how we apply this. Right. But I've also been given tens, and I'm like, are you sure? And it's it's a case of say a sales group where they hit a certain mark, so this is a reward. So if mm-hmm. it feels too teachy. They're not going to feel like it was a reward.
0: Oh, okay. So I
1: will, of course, explain some lessons that, I, you know, things that apply. But I'll do it more subtly. I'll do it mm-hmm. briefly. And then that's kind of fun for me. I get to pick a few games where there ain't nothing we're going to learn from this. This is just good laughs. Right. And so, though, you know, so those can find their way in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and companies and, and businesses and organizations need those times. You know, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. Sometimes we all get so caught up in doing business making money doing our job that we forget that you know we we do need to laugh sometimes oh
1: absolutely i just have to, have to double check a tech thing can you hear me okay
0: i can Great. perfect because can you hear me yeah i see
1: hear you fine i just got a little message on my screen saying that the line is down oh. but apparently it's oh. not so good no.
0: No, okay. and and we're still going merrily along, okay. so very good.
1: <laughs> so I'm sorry, that that, and now it says that we're connected again, which we never weren't.
0: <laughs> yep, see, here we go. We're improvising again.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny how it does come up throughout your life. People are always saying to me, mm-hmm. how, how did you come up with that? I'm like, it's just a training of the brain through improv to say mm-hmm. what else could be. Here is what is, what else could be. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a technique we use, and I use this in my longer courses called Yes And where someone mm. says something and the other person literally has to say the word yes and the mm-hmm. word and and figure out how to build on that person's idea ah. and and it takes a lot of coaching to help people through it sounds mm-hmm. simple because so many people are yes but people
0: Yes, or, no, or no, no, but, but right. At least
1: with no but, you know where you stand. But right. yes, but sounds agreeable, but it's cutting it's mm-hmm. off.
0: Right, I, you're just going no, you cannot do that.
1: I one of my favorite moments, and everyone in the room laughed except the person who did it because she didn't even realize she did it. She said yes and but, and went on, and people laughed. What happened? What happened? You said but. She said no, I did yes and. Then I repeated back the sentence she said, where she said yes and but, and she said, oh my gosh, this is mm-hmm. clearly something I need to work on if I don't even know I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. So we, had, we all had right. a good laugh, but it was, again, within the context of a game. Had she yes-and-butted someone's idea in a conference room, that person might have been left fuming that their idea cut right. off.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, you know, resentment from other people, you know, she didn't let so-and-so. I mean, it's just one of those things that – and it in many cases, it becomes habit. You know, we just, well, yeah, but mm-hmm. – and it's like, no, can't use that.
1: After all these years, I hear myself yes-butting, and it's like, shoot, mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to take their idea and say, and we could do this. Here's a concern I have that might make that harder to do, and right. we work on this concern so that all the yes-ending we've done leads to good results.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we've got, you know, just a little under 10 minutes left, and we've talked a lot about team building. Let's, you know, finish up this time by talking to the people who, you know, that that you would work with for public speaking, you know, and and again, that's back to the people who maybe they have to stand up and give their 30-second elevator speech at a networking group or present to the CEO or all of those things. How how do you even start working with someone and, you know, and, and... I'm I'm just lost. i have like had <laughs> a, a, a you know a, so a, was a, I, my first guess. which is actually one of the things you know is is you know people get up there and they just their brain totally goes. Um, you know what tips do you have for people, especially those? I mean, you know, it is one of those big fears. You know, people would rather die than speak in public, and yeah. and you know, so how do you get them past that? And some and we mentioned you know some people are you always have those nerves, all of those things. But you know, say you're you're talking to someone who. Small business owner launches their own business and they're thinking, okay, I'm just in print. I'm waiting I'm going to go do my job. And then you tell them they have to go network. And they're like, ah! how do you get them past that stage?
1: Wow, you asked like six different things in there. I'm trying I to
0: figure know. where to jump see, in. That was, <laughs> see, that's the, that's the you have to learn to slow down when you speak thing. No, it wasn't mm-hmm. that. It's
1: just there's a lot of different things you said in there. So I'm going to mm-hmm. jump in sort of in the middle and see if I get to it.
0: Pick what you want. <laughs> so you asked
1: how do you get started. Uh, mm-hmm. When I'm talking with someone on the phone before I ever meet them, what I need to find out is what is their concern? Is their concern that I'm not good or is their concern that I'm scared or is it both okay. or is it that I have – a specific issue I need to work on And I know what it is Like I hold mm-hmm. I'm a mumbler I can do I'm not nervous And my organization skills. But I don't get the word It's always a little bit different And I'm not going right. to lie There's a couple of things That I refer out if, if if I can tell instantly That part of someone's serious issue Is a thick accent Then I refer, I refer them to Laura Because right. she's my accent reduction person And she works miracles If That's somebody says specifically That it's a job interview situation I then have to find out Is your concern that you don't express yourself well? Is your concern that you're you're nervous? Or is your concern I don't know what the right answers are in my industry to my questions? If it's mm-hmm. really about that, then I'm going to refer them to Colby because he's my interview skills person. But if mm-hmm. they say I know what the answers are, I have trouble getting myself to put it right, or I tend to ramble, then it's not Colby. Then it's back to me to help them mm-hmm. figure out how to put things in an organized
0: it's way. It's me asking six questions all at once.
1: <laughs> so, usually in that first phone call, the word fear will come up and I will take definite note if it doesn't. uh, And I'll ask Mm. them if, if that's for real and, and, Very few people don't mention fear if that's what it is. So there's an analogy I like to use. And I say to them, if I was your diving coach and you were a high diver and you were up on the board and you were afraid to dive in, yes, I could come up there and I could work with you on breathing techniques, relaxation techniques, visualization. We could use hypnosis, which many people do around uh, public speaking skills. But if there's no water in the pool chances are nothing that I say or do with you is gonna make you less nervous because you're set up for failure. And that's my concern Mm -hmm. with hypnosis. I think hypnosis can be great in conjunction with other things. I'm not putting down hypnosis. But hypnotizing someone who is a bad speaker to feel good about doing it, I don't think is really serving them well. Right. What I see my job is, is to get you off that diving board and show you how to hook up the hose and how to put the water in the pool mm-hmm. so that the next time you go up, maybe three quarters of that fear is gone. And right. Putting the water in the pool for me is showing you how to create a program that's going to grab their attention right away, that's going to be organized, that's going to have the right balance of stories and data so that you know you're going to hold their attention with that, that you're using your body and your voice voice and your face and your mind effectively to create a program that's got energy to it. You mentioned the improv, not just improv, but theater, how to use techniques so that it's Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a show and little less of a speech. Not that people can't enjoy a speech, but a speech that feels a little more like a one man show is Mm going to hold people's attention more. How to blend humor in, even if it's a serious topic, that can be really important. Um, I had one client who said to me, I've been all over your website. I like what I see about you as a speaking coach. I'm intimidated by what I see about you with the improv because I'm going to give a speech, a one-hour speech in Australia about Lou Gehrig's disease. There is no oh. room for Ooh. in this presentation. And I said, gotcha. I didn't say I agreed. I said, gotcha. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we, we –
0: You acknowledge we acknowledged that. I that that
1: mm-hmm. was his feeling uh, because I knew that even if we never got him to agree with me on that, that – There was so much else I could do for him. And sure enough, I didn't even bring up humor until the fifth visit after we reorganized a horrendous program, totally redid a PowerPoint that was going to put them to sleep, got him to change his vocabulary so he didn't sound like he was talking down to them. Fourth or fifth week, he came in. He's like, what's this week's topic? I'm so excited. I said, great. Humor. He said, you're kidding. I said, Uh so let's just take a quick step back and understand this. We are never, ever, 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 ever going to make fun of people with Lou Gehrig's disease. Right. He said, "Okay." I said, are there some stereotypes about you researchers we can poke fun at? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we're kind mm-hmm. of an odd group. I said, great. Mm-hmm. Are there some things we once upon a time thought about ALS that that now, you know, we've looked back and go, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? We wasted so much time and energy on that. He goes, oh, my gosh, yeah, I can think of a few examples. And they do seem funny in retrospect because we've come mm-hmm. so far. He said, I get it. There's there's room for humor about what we as scientists are trying to accomplish, I said, as long as we're not you know, offending anyone who's suffering. Right. Well, in an hour-long presentation, he got four laughs. We're not talking about a Seinfeld routine here. Mm-hmm. But when he wrote me from Australia to tell me how thrilled everybody was, how they were slapping on in the back, saying they hit it out of the ballpark, I wrote back and said, just curious, how many laughs were there at the rest of the conference? He said, they mm-hmm. were the only four laughs.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I said, yeah, it, it does make that big of a difference. And no one was offended by it because we right. did it. We did it carefully. Just one of the many things that we did. And when he got that first laugh after hoping, because he he was sure he was going to say it and no one would laugh. But they did. Mm -hmm. That boosted his confidence. That lowered his heart rate. That made him feel Mm -hmm. better. I'm sure he was better in the second half of the program than he Mm -hmm. was in the first. That's another thing about warming up. I had a brilliant coach many, many years ago before I was a coach say to me, we are always going to warm up you have a choice. You can do it on stage in front of the audience during your first half of your speech, or you can do it before you hit the stage. It's your call. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing I work with people on on is warm-ups, how to rehearse and how to warm up that day so that you hit the stage more ready. You Mm -hmm. you wouldn't go for a run without warming up first. Well, that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing when we're speaking. We need to warm up our voices, our bodies, our faces, and our minds. And I show Mm -hmm. people how to do that. So that they hit the stage a little more comfortable. So these are right. all things that we can learn through the coaching sessions that that we're not going to know on our own. And as far as the difference between coaching and classes go, I'm not saying there aren't some great classes out there. But there's just something about getting a 20th of the teacher's attention instead of 100%. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can say, Deb, this is something you've got in spades. We don't have to spend more than three minutes talking about right. this. Or there might be something else that in a class – You know, it's a reminder, but we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it. Mm -hmm. Deb, you need to spend two sessions on this because this is not something you're good at.
0: Yeah, it's it's not coming easy to you, so we need extra. Right,
1: and in coaching, it's all about you. I can run the same. You know, there aren't many places where you could get up and do the same five-minute speech five times in a session. Mm -hmm. It's better, but in a coaching session, we can do that, and whether it's in person or on Skype. It's so much more effective than a class, I find. In fact, I will give a class if a manager calls me in and says, you know, we have 15 people. We want to do a full day course. Are you willing? Well, of course I'm willing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no. I'll only meet all 15 of them one at a time. But right. I no longer offer to the public classes because I just know how much more successful coaching is.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, Milo. We have filled the hour. I can't believe it. I mean, this is so much fun. And and to me, it is so interesting and so fascinating. So, you know, that just means we have to chat again because we just scratched the surface on all of this. But until then, tell folks again where they find you online. Oh,
1: great. So my website is ImprovVentures.com, but that's hard to spell. So I'm going to make this easier on you. Miloshapiro.com will get you there. M I L O S H A. P-I-R-O dot com. If you're interested in the books on public speaking or the one called uh, The Worst Days Make the Best Stories, you could find them on Amazon, but it's easier to find them on miloshapiro.com. Just just go to the Books tab. Uh, Perfect. That, that's an easy way to get in touch with me.
0: I love it. You know, and, and really, I've been having a really great time talking with you and can't wait to chat again. And so, again, thank you. Thank you. It was fun perfect. And to everyone out there, have a great day and we'll chat next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real life stories and techniques to power up your business.